Welcome back to the Going Coastal podcast, the podcast of the Student and New Professionals chapter of the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association and hosted by the American Shoreline Podcast Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Miller. And I'm also one of your co-hosts, Marissa Torres. By now, you should know that the ASBPA is a national organization. Some of you may know that there are regional chapters of ASBPA scattered around the country. But did you know that it's possible to have a student chapter of ASBPA at your university? Uh, Proud to say the first and uh, I guess not so proud to say the only student chapter thus far of ASBPA exists at Stevens Institute of Technology, which is, of course, my home institution. Um, And today with us here today to talk about the chapter's founding, um, is the former president, actually the founding president of the Stevens Student Chapter, uh, Alicia Mahan. So let's welcome Alicia and thank you for being here. Good morning. You're welcome. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Well, I guess uh, the first thing that we'll start with is, you know, people may be asking, you know, who is Alicia Mahan? So um, why don't I just give you give you a chance to very open-endedly introduce yourself and uh, a little bit about your background and, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So um, I am a former... Stevens student, uh, a three-time Stevens alumni. Um, <clears throat> I went to Stevens. I graduated in, uh, oh my goodness, 2008 with a bachelor's in environmental engineering. I quickly realized that environmental engineering what, wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. Um, I grew up at the ocean. I grew up just outdoors, camping. I loved being in the natural environment. And I kind of I kind of thought that that's what environmental engineering was, more on the kind of natural environment side. And I quickly realized that it was very much geared toward hazardous waste management, environmental cleanup, wastewater treatment. So not really my cup of tea. Um, But Stevens, Stevens Institute of Technology also has a really wonderful coastal and ocean engineering program. And so um, I, I took a fluid dynamics course my junior year of college and I just fell in love with it. Um, I learned so much about water and how it moves, its properties. Um, And I also was introduced to one of the professors that works in the Davidson Laboratory at Stevens. And so I I got really friendly with him and then that's how I met John. Uh, Learned a lot about the coastal research that's done at Stevens and decided to kind of switch gears my last year, started taking some graduate classes in coastal engineering, and then just kind of um, transferred over into the graduate program um, in ocean and coastal and ocean and coastal engineering at Stevens. Um, and so I did a lot of work with Tom and John on developing a jet ski surveying system, which was really fabulous. We were able to spend a lot of time on the New Jersey coast surveying um, our beaches Um, I had the opportunity to go down to Vicksburg, Mississippi, and work with the Army Corps of Engineers down there at their Engineer Research and Development Center and their large-scale sediment transport facility, building a scaled model of Monmouth Beach, New Jersey, looking at an erosional hotspot. I I actually lived down there in Vicksburg for about nine months um, right before I graduated, which was a really great experience. Um, and so I graduated with my PhD from Stevens in, in ocean engineering in 2012. And I moved over to the West Coast. I live in Washington State now. Um, and I work for the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. We are a Department of Energy Office of Science Laboratory. We're one of 17 national laboratories across the entire country. And we do, we steward capabilities that really help to solve complex national challenges like climate change and advancing renewable energy. And so that's really where 
that's really where my space is uh, at PNNL. I wear I wear a couple different hats at the at the highest level. Um, I I manage um, a very large program for the Department of Energy. Uh, I am the relationship manager between PNNL and the Department of Energy's Wind Energy Technologies Office. And so I manage our um, land-based wind and offshore wind portfolio for the Wind Energy Technologies Office. And then inside that portfolio, I also manage a, a large program called the LIDAR Buoy Program. And so uh, we manage and oversee two, two LIDAR buoys for the Department of Energy that are instrumented with just a host a host of meteorological and oceanographic instrumentation, including a LIDAR system, which, which can measure the wind profile offshore up to about 250 meters above the sea surface. So I manage that program. And then I also manage a small team in our coastal sciences group at PNNL. Um, we are the offshore wind and ocean dynamics team, really focused on offshore wind, looking at wind wildlife impacts, and also doing a lot of ocean and coastal modeling as it's related to climate change, renewable energy, and resilience. So in, in a nutshell, um, that's, uh, that's my background. That that is certainly a mouthful. My goodness. What an impressive resume there. How exciting. Um, real quick. So you in grad school, you developed the jet ski survey system that now the current um, our former research student spotlight, Nikki, is now using that for hers. So that's a nice connection there. Thank you so much. I'm sure she appreciates it. Yeah. She'll really appreciate it if she hears. I, Alicia, I have to ask you to tell the story uh, about the time we were the were story. The story about the time we were demonstrating the uh, jet ski oh system God. for a local news uh, news network. And uh, I'll just, Alicia, why don't you why don't you tell everybody what happened there? Um. So I mean, I I think I know the story you're talking about. Um. But uh, I just want to make sure. So we were, you know. This was, I don't even know, you know, back in maybe 2008, 2009. Um, and we were in Long Branch, New Jersey. And we we had our whole crew out there, myself, John, our safety swimmer, a former professor at Stevens as well. And the way that the, the way that the jet ski works, right? I mean, we all, it's safety first, right? So you put on your, your, um, your life jacket and the key to the jet ski um, is, is attached is attached to your um, your life jacket to make sure that you know if something happened, if you happen to fall off the jet ski, it would pull the key out of the jet ski so it, it would then stop moving. So um, unfortunately, there was an incident as we were in this kind of interview with the local uh, news folks and the local officials, um, one of the riders of the jet ski did not attach the key to their vest. Okay. So you can imagine, you know, and this happened, this individual hit a wave and it actually like flew him off of the jet ski. He landed in the water. He was fine. He was safe, but the key was not attached to his life vest. And so, uh, the jet ski just kept on going. Uh, it did not stop. And it just kind of rode out into the sunset. And so we were all on the beach. We were all looking for it. We were trying to keep our eye on it. Um, 
if I recall, you know, we were we were talking with the local officials and they actually brought down their local fire department, I think, had a jet ski of their own. And so they came down. Um, they had walkie talkies. They were trying to talk to some of the the local um folks out there on boats to see if they could kind of corral the jet ski offshore and make sure that they can kind of keep it in a, in a, in a, in a circle offshore. So then when the fire department came with their jet ski, they went offshore to kind of get it and bring it back to shore. So, um, John, I I think that was the story that you were talking about, but, um, it was one of the, it was not funny, uh, looking back on it now, it, it, um, it was kind of comical, and I think you know it could have been on a sitcom or something like that. But um, uh, yeah, so lesson learned: always make sure the jet ski key is attached to your life vest. <laughs> <laughs> so the so the funny thing is that actually was not the story I was thinking of, but that story oh. is the best. That's actually the better story, though. So okay. I, and I will. I will say I was not the individual that fell off the jet That's ski. True. That was yep. not me for the record. But yes, we almost lost our jet ski system the first day that we attempted to uh, test it out. So uh, very, uh, <laughs> the, the, I guess, uh, fun stories of grad school research. Right. Um, Absolutely. Well, what story, If I mean, I can chime in too. What story were you thinking about? I, I, I was thinking about the time in uh, Jersey City when we were demonstrating for NJN and the, uh, oh. the battery cutout. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is enough. Yeah. Okay. So that was also extremely exciting. Um, yeah. So we were, we were at Liberty state park and we were, we were demonstrating for a local news crew and I, you know, I can't recall, I can't recall why the battery cut out. Um, but Liberty state park is right near the statue of Liberty. So it's actually, I mean, the backdrop is beautiful, right? So jet skiing kind of like right around that area. And I was the driver on that day. <laughs> and um, I did have my key attached to, to my uh, my life jacket. But yeah, so I was, I was in the water on the jet ski in Liberty State Park and the battery died. And there was no way to kind of get the jet ski back to shore. So I had to jump off in the middle of the water and literally swim it, swim the jet ski back and hold on to it and kind of tow it back into the the boat dock, just kind of swimming along and towing it. Um, so that was that was definitely another one of those trial by fire graduate school experiences. <laughs> yeah, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. <laughs> Yeah, and keep in mind that was that was the Hudson River. So yeah, as and the water in the Hudson River is much cleaner than it used to be, but mm-hmm. uh, nonetheless, not exactly uh, a, a banner moment, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> you know, that was you know the things that you learn, right? That was part of uh, the experience of putting yeah. together something from the ground up, and we figured out that the the batteries on the jet ski were not uh, sufficient to power all of the equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, so we ended up adapting, adding new batteries. And, and here we are, you know, 15 years later using the same, uh, the same system basically, um, with those modifications that we figured out the hard way. Alicia was our, our guinea pig in a lot of ways. I was just going to say using graduate students as guinea pigs. (laughs) That's what they're for, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Alicia, so why don't you tell us, uh, I guess a little bit about how, um, you first learned about ASBPA? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, as you know, I think my 
my involvement with ASBPA actually started as an undergraduate. Um, that first summer between my junior and senior year, I, I don't know if you want to say that I interned, but I was a summer student at the Davidson Laboratory. Um, and John, that's where I met you because the previous semester I had taken fluids um, and I met Tom Harrington. At the time, he was the assistant director of the Davidson Laboratory. Um, and I, I was so uh, captivated by his research that I, I wanted to start to work with him and you, John. And so that summer, I started to work at the Davidson Laboratory and started to do a lot of, a lot of research on um, extreme events and water levels, especially along the New, New Jersey coast. Um, and one of the studies that we worked on that summer, I remember Tom saying, you know, there's this, there's this organization called the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association. They have a national coastal conference every year. Um, and they invite, they invite students and researchers to present their research. And so, um, that was my first experience ever with, um, you know, writing writing an abstract, submitting it to a conference, um, having that that abstract accepted, and then writing writing a paper associated with it. Um, and so um, submitted that to ASBPA. I was able to present, and that was really my first experience with, um, you know, conferences in general. Um, and I believe that conference was in Chicago. And that's really where I, you know, got to meet a lot of the leadership in ASBPA and talk with folks that there was interest in setting up local student chapters. And at the time, uh, Tom Harrington, and I believe you too, John, you were on the board of directors at ASBPA. Um, and so just at Stevens, we had a, we had a lot of support internally to do that. Um, and so, uh, we just started talking internally. We were expanding our coastal engineering program. We had a lot of a lot of interest in upcoming upcoming students um, in joining our program as as graduate students. So we just saw a lot of a lot of growth uh, growth opportunity for both the student chapter and then also for for these students that were coming into the program. Um, being able to support the student chapter more than just me. And so um, I had previously, and actually still at that time, I was heavily involved in the American Society of Civil Engineers. I was uh, a member of the student chapter at Stevens. And then also when I, when I went to graduate school, I transitioned out of the student chapter and then I started to work with the local branch, uh, the North Jersey branch of ASCE. Um, I started out kind of in their younger member group, and then I kind of graduated from that group to their kind of um, more broad um, early career group, I guess. And so I was their secretary, their treasurer, et cetera. And I got a lot of experience with kind of... Um, running an organization like that and and what all went into writing and updating bylaws. Um, and so I had a lot of that experience from ASCE. So so it was kind of a natural fit to kind of take that um, take that experience of 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 running an organization like ASCE and transferring that over to to ASBPA. Um, and so we were, you know, we we started with nothing, right? I mean the chapter did not exist. And pretty much the first, the first thing you have to do is draft a set of bylaws, right? So who are we? What do we do? What are our roles? What are our objectives? What's the, what's the role of the national, the national 
organization? What's the role of Stevens in all of this? How are we going to support students? All of those things. So kind of writing those bylaws, having them be accepted and approved by the national organization, having them accepted by Stevens saying that, yes, you know, these kind of align with our internal processes for new student organizations, having it become a recognized student organization at Stevens, that was a really big step. We were able to kind of take the bylaws and and transition those into a charter. Um, and that was that was a really nice experience where we had the charter for ASBPA. And at one of the National Coastal Conferences, um, the president of ASBPA at the time signed the charter and framed it and kind of presented that to us as the first student chapter. So that was a really, a really nice experience um, for me. Um, just, you know, that our, our efforts were recognized and just, just to kind of put our stake in the ground that um, we were the first student chapter of ASBPA. Um, and so, and so, yeah. And so at that time, we had a lot of students coming in. Um, we had um, a whole a whole slew of of grad students and undergrads too that were volunteering to help lead the organization. We would have we would have recurring meetings and plan events. We did a lot of we did a lot of work with Sea Grant and their Ocean Fund days. So we would we would help uh, John in his role with Sea Grant, kind of organize and and man tables to teach children and and young folks about about beaches and rip currents. Um, and so that was that 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 was a really nice opportunity for us to translate all of the all of the scientific and technical knowledge that we were learning and and translate that in an educational way um, to really help the local community and and really, you know, get the Stevens name out there as well. So that sounds like a lot of work <laughs> but it, it also sounds like it was it, it was very rewarding and it, it, it sounds like you also had um the opportunity to i guess rely on some of your experiences from you said asce and in, in working with them so in, in terms of kind of putting something together like that the bylaws and 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 it, it, how how much did you i guess rely on you know other documents where, where did you, what did what did you draw on i guess to kind of develop that uh that initial set of bylaws. Yeah. So, um, as I said, I was heavily involved in ASCE. So I actually had the bylaws of the student chapter of ASCE, um, because we would, you know, I was involved in the, the student chapter at Stevens as well. So I was able to kind of use those a little bit as a, as a template. Um, also my senior year at Stevens, I was in, I was the secretary of the uh, student government association at Stevens. And so it was my responsibility as the secretary to kind of organize and maintain the bylaws of pretty much all of the other undergraduate organizations at Stevens. So I kind of had access to a lot of, a lot of other organizations as well in terms of their leadership. Um, so I knew who, who ran those. So if I had questions about how they ran their organizations, how they wrote their bylaws, how they hold meetings, their, their um, interaction and how they interface with their kind of national oversight 
organization, I had the opportunity to tap into that leadership as well. So it was not only just not only just the bylaws, but also the conversations I had with folks. And then externally too, you know, the the North Jersey branch of ASCE, the leadership there was also really, really helpful um, because again, they had to draft their own bylaws for ASCE. Um, they interface with the national organization as well. So tapping into the the local ASCE folks and then also the the ASBPA leadership at the national level as well. Uh, this was the first time for them too to to put together a student chapter. So um, they really there really was not a lot of guidance. Um, it was mostly just conversations and and having a feedback loop to um, we would we would draft things and send it to them. They would they would give us their blessing. We would take it back. We would draft some more. So it was just a, a lot of a lot of conversations with the leadership from ASBPA as opposed to kind of a documentation just because it was the first time that they had ever done this. But um, yeah, John, you did say it was a lot of work and it definitely was, but there were so many people there to help. And so that that's the key really to all of that is that, you know, internally at Stevens, we had the grad students. It wasn't just me doing it. I mean, we had, we had Andrew and Spicer and Liz, we had the whole, we had the whole group just really helping out. Everybody had a role to play. Uh, you, John and Tom, just your support as well. Internally it's at, at Stevens. I mean, at the, at the administrative level being just a support system for us uh, because we, we, our organization as the student chapter was really unique because there was interest in both the undergrads and grad students. And looking back on it now, I don't really know if, if there was an organization at that time that was like that. Uh, most organizations at Stevens really are, are focused on undergrads or grads. And then once you get to grad school there at Stevens, the number of the number of opportunities and organizations for grad students really, really drops. Um, and so it was a really good opportunity and a unique experience to have a new organization like this that was so open and readily accessible to grad students, but then also was able to bridge that gap between undergrad and grad and really, in my opinion, really help um, kind of funnel a pipeline of students, really get them exposed to to coastal engineering and ocean engineering as an undergrad and really help to kind of bridge that gap and 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 show them the opportunities at Stevens. And also not just at Stevens, but that from the national level, kind of what ASBPA at the at the national level does and really just kind of expose them um, to the career opportunities there. Wow. Well it sounds like you were perfect for this role in developing this chapter and leading this chapter, cultivating it and growing it from where from where it's from nothing to where it is now. And so you had a lot of background experience with other organizations. You um, put yourself out there in undergrad. You were a part of this student government, ASCE, and all of these things that gave you that exposure to this type of government management leadership of organizations type thing, um, which really primed you for it. So I'm wondering, um, just as as a regular person, or not a regular person, <laughs> not saying that you're not a regular person, but <laughs> as someone who maybe didn't uh, put themselves out there and have as much experience in those areas as you did, how would 
how would someone who maybe who maybe is interested in creating a student chapter at their local university get started? How would where would they start? What would you recommend um, for them to maybe learn about these types of of skills? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if anyone out there is listening and wants to start a chapter of ASBPA uh, at their university, I would say I'm going to throw John Miller under the bus here and say to reach out to John uh, first and foremost, um, because um, I, I frankly don't know who the steward is of the bylaws right now. But, you know, reviewing the bylaws of the first student chapter, I think, would be a really good start. It gives you a really good understanding of who we are, what we do, how we're organized, how we interface with ASBPA at the national level, how we interface with our university, and just kind of how we are run. So I'd say kind of reviewing reviewing the ASBPA bylaws of Stevens, I think would be a really good start. Um, and then also I would I would reach out to their university administrative group to understand what the process is in doing that. Every university is completely different. Um, and really wrapping their heads around, okay, well, what documentation do I need? What does the approval process look like? I mean, these things take time, right? And so do, do, do there need to be meetings between the, the university's ad administrative group with the ASBPA national leadership? Um, so again, really wrapping their heads around internally at the university what needs to be done, um, and then also forming a team. Um, it's 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 impossible to do this on your own. You need a team of people to do it, people that are passionate about it, people that will make time right because this is not this is not something that's just part of your day job, right? I mean, as a grad student. Um, right? I mean, you have to study. We had field work. There's so many things going on that this was, this was above and beyond what we did during the day. So finding, finding a team of passionate and dedicated folks that, that can see the big picture um, and that are willing to, to take time out of their own life to do this. I think that's really, really important as well. So, so bylaws, understanding uh, what goes into those, reaching out to the university to really understand what the process is for putting a student chapter in place, and then, you know, forming forming a team of, of passionate folks to really help to push it forward. Yeah, that's, that, that's great advice. And that's actually why I asked the follow-up question earlier is that, you know, understanding it is so much work, um, and, and, you know, that it does require that support system, but also to understand that there's often a lot of information out there um, that can be utilized that makes the work a little bit less burdensome than it otherwise would be. So certainly I would be willing to share any of the the Stevens information um, with anybody. But I think, you know, another thing is, you know, we were very fortunate in, in developing the student chapter at Stevens. Um, Tom Harrington was, was really much more involved than I was. So having a, a faculty member who is willing to be very supportive of it um, and understanding of the effort that's required um, because of all of the other uh, all of the other things that graduate students are expected to do, right? Um, you know, making sure that you have that 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 faculty support is is really important. And I think 
you know, overwhelmingly, um, you know, and these are, this is a question that I guess I'll, I'll, I'll ask the follow-up question now, um, you know, looking back on it in, in hindsight, um, this experience of kind of putting together this chapter, um, you know, it sounds as though it is something that you look back and you value that experience. So can you talk a little bit about maybe how some of these, you know, skills, some of the, um, things that you went through, how that, you know, may translate, um, you know, into your professional career? Totally. Absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, but I, but before I answer it, I do want to echo what you said about having faculty support is so incredibly important. Um, you and Tom were extremely, um, extremely crucial to that process. So that's, that's just a really good point as well. Um, yeah. So how this experience just kind of translates into my professional work now, um, Interestingly enough, when I moved to Washington after I graduated Stevens, um, ASB, there, there is no local chapter of ASBPA, ASBPA out here, but um, I have always been involved in ASCE, the American Society of Civil Engineers. And so I pretty much, you know, after Stevens, I was involved in the North Jersey branch there. I moved over to Washington here and I started... Um, to get involved in their local branch here in Richland, Washington. And we did not have a younger member group. Many organizations of ASCE, many local chapters have both a younger member group or a younger, mem a younger member forum for early career folks. And then they have just the larger branch. And so um, I, when I moved here, I just started networking with folks um, and I and I found out that there, you know, there's there was a lot of interest in having some sort of civil civil engineering younger member group here associated with ASCE, and so I actually started it. I I um, I, I was the founding president, I guess, of the local younger member group of ASCE here in Richland as well. And so all of that experience, all of that experience from establishing a student chapter at Stevens was literally directly applicable to what I did here in Richland as well. Um, so again, that I mean, that that was more on the professional development side, not necessarily associated with my job. Um, but again, the experience, the bylaws, the interfacing with the national chapter, getting local support, all of that, um, all of that experience I was able to tap, uh, especially because I, I did that at Stevens. So that's a really good example. Um, she can't be stopped. What? <laughs> That's funny. Um, and then professionally, professionally at PNNL, um, we we uh, do a lot of work with environmental remediation. And as I said earlier, when I went to Stevens, my undergrad studies were in environmental environmental engineering, so very much focused on hazardous waste management, environmental cleanup. And so at PNNL there was a lot of interest in establishing a center. So to really put our stake in the ground as um, we call it, the Center for the Remediation of Complex Sites or RENPLEX. Um, and so they were looking for someone to establish that. Um, and so um, that fell to me to do. And so I literally, I wrote a strategic plan. I put together the framework for how this new center would be would be run what the leadership 
who the leadership would be, what their roles and responsibilities are, what our pillars were in terms of our capabilities, what the opportunity space looked like, who would be some some potential partners. Um, I worked with the leadership of Remplex to organize a global summit on environmental remediation that we held in November of 2021. Um, And all of this was done from the ground up. Uh, And so again, a lot of that experience from um, establishing a chapter at ASBPA, just in terms of, uh, you know, what it takes to put together and organize a framework for something, all of that I was able to translate to PNNL and really use that experience to help establish the center. Very cool. Very cool. So I feel like a lot of the questions have been a little bit heavy um, <laughs> at this point. So I wanted to, to, to break, I guess, that, uh, that, that momentum and, and give you a chance to maybe talk about, um, you know, some of the activities that, that you did through the Stevens student chapter and maybe, you know, one or two of your favorite um, moments um, participating uh, at, in the ASBPA student chapter at Stevens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mentioned, so that my two, the two that come to mind that were my personal favorite, I've mentioned one already, were the Ocean Fun Days. Um, I looked forward to those every year. Um, and we would, we would help you, John, with those at Sandy Hook. We would also do them down at Island Beach State Park. I absolutely love, we have this, this wave tank um, that we would, that we would use to kind of demonstrate, demonstrate to young folks just, you know, how waves are generated, what the impacts of waves are on the coastline. Um, I, I so enjoyed talking with children about that and being able to, to, to translate the technical knowledge in such a, a visual way that they can they can see and understand. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed those. But my 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 favorite experience was um, we hosted we hosted a day for Girl Scouts, um, of which I am one. Um, I was a Girl Scout. I'm still a Girl Scout. So uh, this event was near and dear to my heart. Um, we hosted a day for local Girl Scouts to learn about beaches and learn about rip currents. And so. We organized a day where they would come. We we played rip current uh, rip current Jeopardy. So we created a Jeopardy game um, for the girls to play and just learn about beach safety, learn about waves and tides and sandbars and rip currents. And that was that was just so much fun. And it's just a, again a, 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 another fun, engaging way to to teach young children about about really complicated coastal processes and to see to see the light bulb go off when they can when they can finally kind of wrap their heads around why why these phenomena form um, and so we played that game and then we actually went over to the Davidson laboratory and we did a demonstration in the wave tank there we have this kind of artificial artificial reef that was made out of wood and we put it in the tank and generated waves and and kind of organized or or um, set up the the reef in such a way that it would create um, a rip current. And we would use dye to change the color of the water. So when the waves came and the and the and the the water kind of circulated in the vicinity of this reef, we would put 
die in the water so the children could really see where the water was moving and how they can see how the waves interacted with this artificial reef and sandbar and that it just really created this jet of water that that rushed through the break in that bar and kind of flushed the water offshore. And that's what a rip current is. And, and again, using the capabilities at Stevens, using an an easy setup of just, you know, wood and dye and and being able to to create a physical representation of of things that are really hard to see in the environment because you, I mean it's really hard to see what the what the um, the sand is doing offshore, right? So they can visually see, oh my goodness, you know, the the sand is formed this way, the water comes in this way in the waves and it rushes out this way and you can just really see it because of the dye. Um, that was that was probably my one of my favorite experiences at Stevens overall. Um, and the Girl Scouts had an award ceremony later that year and awarded us, I believe it's the Good Community Award for Rip Current Awareness. Um, and again, just being a Girl Scout my entire life, um, that meant a lot to me. Um, and I know it meant a lot to Tom and John as well. And so um, I really I really liked those opportunities in general of being able to to take what we learn at Stevens and and really be able to repackage what we learn in an educational way for for kids. Wow, just how exciting and how important. I love that this was an opportunity that Stevens could be a part of, that the student chapter um, setup of ASBPA at Stevens could be a part of. And it's I feel like that's something that's missing in a lot of coastal communities. There's not not every coastal community has the resources. Um, so these programs are just sound so great. I wish I had exposure to that when I was um, when I was around that age. It's very impressionable age. Um, so John, are those activities still going on uh, with the student chapter at ASPPA or have you guys done anything different? Yeah, no, we, we still we still engage in a lot of those um, activities and uh, we still use the wave tank. So the, the wave tank that Alicia was was mentioning, we still use that for those um, outreach activities. Um, quick story. We did get the Good Neighbor Award, but even more, I guess, impressive, one of the Girl Scouts that was in that group that visited Stevens um, really took the message to heart. They kind of went out on their own and did a bunch of other service projects related to rip currents. They participated in a sandcastle contest in which they created a sandcastle demonstrating a rip current and the way a rip current functioned. Really cool work. They made a YouTube video. Just really, really awesome. And then fast forward 10 years later, one of the girls that participated in that experience worked for me as an undergraduate researcher at Stevens. So when you want to talk about the power of the impact of these types of events, you know, really just really cool to see that. And I didn't recognize it. And she actually came up to me and said, hey, do you, re do you remember I was one of those Girl Scouts? And so... That's that's awesome. As a as a faculty member, as a professor, that's just really cool. And you know, the Stevens student chapter of ASBPA was heavily involved in that. So, you know, just an example of, of kind of the great things that can kind of come out of uh, something like the student chapter. Um, so yeah, so we're still working on a lot of these different things. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, 
you know, I think it is interesting is, is I also wanted to spend a little bit of time, I guess, talking about the future. Um, and so uh, Alicia, obviously with your job, you spend a lot of time thinking about climate change and impacts and, and, and sustainable energy. Um, you know, what are some of the, I guess, future coastal challenges that you foresee and, um, you know, maybe how, how can an organization like ASBPA and particularly the student chapters, um, you know, what types of things can they be doing to maybe sort of impact the future? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think that's the million dollar question, honestly. Um, looking at specifically my field of wind energy, I'm, I'm also really focused on offshore wind. And I think Stevens is perfectly situated to be a key player there with all of the developments that are planned for off the coast of New York, New Jersey. Um, a big, a big part of offshore wind is the environmental impact, right? Being able to understand how these wind farms will impact the environment, but then also what, what's the value to coastal communities as well. And so I can definitely see uh, Stevens and the student chapter maybe being involved in a lot of outreach to these communities um, because, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of folks that aren't totally sold yet on offshore wind, right? Um, there's there's a lot of pushback in these communities, and so being able to to quantify and understand what the environmental um, impacts could potentially be and what the benefits are both to the environment but to the communities as well, being able to understand that and then translate that to the communities in a way that they can easily understand and digest. Um, I think that could be a really, a really good opportunity, both for Stevens and the student chapter um, in the, in, in the form of community outreach and engagement. And I, I, I think certainly one of, as you mentioned, you know, th this is a very complex issue and there's all of the engineering side of it, and there's the coastal processes side of it, but then there's also the policy side of it. And, you know, I think that's always been one of the things that, you know, we as ASBPA have been uh, really uh, sort of at the forefront of that, that kind of interaction between coastal policy, as well as the science and the engineering um, that goes behind all of these very complicated issues. So I think you're right. I think there's an opportunity for certainly ASBPA as an organization, um, and then by proxy the the student chapters as well to really become involved and help, I guess, understand um, you know this type of a really complex issue, um, and really be sort of leaders in 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 uh, you know forward thinking uh, about how we can you know uh, progress, I guess. Just a real quick, um, I went to school in Rhode Island and I actually had the opportunity to go out on a boat when they were putting out the Block Island wind farm um, and go see these things up close. Yeah, it was an incredible experience, but I do get seasick. So it was, you know, not as great as it could have been. Uh, but I just I wanted to ask um, if you had any thoughts about the Block Island wind farm, any involvement on your end professionally, or if you knew folks um, who were in any stage of, of planning that and getting that executed? Right. Um, so I personally have, have not been in, involved in it at all. Um, you know, there's been a lot of um, environmental research um, going on with Block Island. So I, so I know that um, especially at University of Rhode Island, uh, Jim Miller, 
um, is heavily involved in underwater noise and its impact on the environment. So I've interacted with Jim a fair amount. Um, but on the kind of the construction, the maintenance, the, um, the monitoring, I, I personally haven't been involved, but um, probably just with the researchers doing some of the environmental monitoring. Right, right. That rings a bell. Dr. Miller, Dr. Miller, Mr. Miller, I can't remember, uh, was Dr. Miller, Dr. Was, Miller. Uh, was my acoustics professor for sure. Yep. <laughs> so John, may I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> this is yeah, interesting. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we talked a little bit about the Stevens chapter. Um, are there any efforts underway to establish student chapters of ASBPA anywhere else do you, that you know of? Or is there interest from ASBPA at the national level in doing so? So the answer to that question is I am not 100% sure if there are any current efforts. I know there have been some efforts in the past. Um, as you mentioned, in kind of getting the Stevens chapter up and running, it's not necessarily an easy um, thing. So it does take some commitment. Um, you know, e each university also, as you mentioned, is, is going to be different in how they, you know, handle different chapters. So, you know, at Stevens, we have this differentiation between graduate student organizations and undergraduate student organizations. And um, that impl impacts membership and who can hold, you know, positions on the, uh, on the, uh, you know, executive positions within the organization. So, um, so there are challenges. Um, I, I think overall ASBPA is very supportive of student organizations and we'd like to see more. Um, I certainly would like to see more. And again, you know, welcome um, anybody that's interested to reach out to me personally um, or to the student and new professionals chapter. Um, I think the development of the student and new professionals chapter is actually, um, I guess, I want to say an offshoot or a tangential or related to the, the Steven student chapter. Um, uh, so, you know, that's sort of our, uh, I guess, uh, collective for all students and all new professionals, regardless of their, you know, university affiliation. So it's a way for them to get involved in, in certainly, um, have some of the benefits, uh, of, uh, uh, of a, a chapter which focuses specifically on the needs of students and new professionals and things like this podcast where we talk about, um, you know, advice for people starting their career and, you know, how to go back to grad school, what happens when you just finish grad school, all of that. Um, you know, I, I you know, the, the relationships that you can develop, that's certainly um, nice to have at the national level. Um, but I do think that there is value. And I think ASBPA thinks that there is value um, you know, in these local student chapters as well. Um, I know certainly, uh, you know, Alicia, you've already mentioned several of the former students that you were involved with. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think just in terms of developing those relationships, uh, maintaining those relationships, the local chapter at a university can be important. Um, you mentioned things like the pipeline, um, the, the pipeline for uh, getting undergraduates to become interested in uh, coastal uh, coastal processes, coastal engineering, again, coastal policy. Um, you know, it's a, it's it's a great opportunity for that. Uh, I think the just generally speaking, as a you know, some of our former guests have discussed that we have a little bit of a public relations um, issue when it comes to coastal engineering, coastal processes. People don't know that it's a career path that they can take. Beaches are cool. Everybody loves beaches. Um, 
but most people don't understand or realize that they can actually make a career out of it. So something like, uh, yeah. So having a, 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 a local organization, I think that, you know, helps people realize that there is a career path there. So, um, the, the university chapters can be critical in that. And then, you know, just some of the things that you had mentioned with the outreach that we do within the community. Um, it's hard to do that sort of at a national level through like the student, student and new professionals chapter, but at a local level with the university chapter, it's easy to go out and to make a difference. It's easy to go out and do things like beach cleanups. Those are some of the things that we've helped out with, um, with our student chapter. Uh, and then just, you know, these, these events like coastal uh, ocean fun days uh, and coast day, those are the, the outreach events that you had mentioned previously, just a way to engage young people, um, teach them about the coast, teach them about important things like rip currents, um, climate change, sea level rise, uh, coastal protection. Um, but then also just to kind of engage them, you know, you know, capture their imagination, capture their attention. You know, Marissa, you mentioned, you know, at that particularly impressionable time, right? So these are all, you know, amazing opportunities that are afforded by a local, you know, university-based chapter. And I think for all of those reasons, I think ASBPA is very supportive of more student chapters. And I would love to help other universities develop their student chapters as well. So thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that question, Alicia. I am all on board with helping to support um, a student chapter creation at URI because I feel like we definitely need it for how much coastal and ocean-related things that we do. So maybe we'll just, just follow up with one last question. Um, and this is more of a general question, not so much related to the, the Stevens Coastal chapter. But, you know, what did, what kind of advice would you give um, students and young professionals just starting out their careers? Um, you know, how do you how do you how do you become successful like yourself? How do you how do you how do you end up, uh, you know, having this this rewarding, productive career in, in coastal? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what a question. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, you mentioned this about the networking and I, I really believe that's a big part of it. Um, and ASBPA and organizations like ASBPA and ASCE and others are a big, are a big player in that. It's, it's about, you know, as a grad student starting there and doing just really, really impactful research, getting that out to the community at conferences and things like that, expanding your professional network. And that's, again, that's where ASBPA, for me, played a really big role going, not only just going to these conferences, um, but also, also ASBPA, they have committees where you work with a smaller group of people to, to write white papers on different topics. Um, you know, being a part of organizing conferences themselves, ASBPA had their, has their shore and beach journal so that I, um, I worked with ASBPA for a while as being an editor, um, on some of their, their papers. So kind of, you know, utilizing the organization for networking, for technical opportunities, like writing white papers and being a part of the journal, all of that not only provides, you know, technical um, and scientific um, experiences, but also, again, you meet people, you create, um, you create 
relationships with folks that you then kind of maintain and 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 transition out of grad school when you get into quote unquote the real world, right? And and it's I really think that it's those relationships, it's that network that you keep and you foster that can really facilitate opportunities, right? And so um, whether it's me at PNNL and and thinking back and 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 remembering or or seeing names of folks that I've worked with in the past with ASEE or ASBPA or even at Stevens, um, that professional network I think is a really a really big key to that because again it 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 helps you kind of kind of not only just keep tabs on what everybody is doing but it but it's just a nice way to um, kind of keep partnerships available if needed. Um, if there's an opportunity for collaboration to partner on a proposal. And I've done that with Stevens as well. I mean, just outside of ASBPA, um, I, I've maintained my relationship with John at Stevens, with Tom Harrington. He's moved on to Monmouth University now, but still maintaining that relationship with with Tom, um, the new director of the Davidson Lab at Stevens, Muhammad Hajj, working closely with him. So just really trying to maintain relationships with folks with your network. So when relevant opportunities come up, um, you kind of already have a short list of folks that you would love to absolutely work with um, and that you know um, you work well with. Um, and so um, I, I would definitely say one of my biggest pieces of advice is to really work on expanding your network. And when you have the opportunity to be part of an organization like ASBPA, to really dive right in um, when it comes to, to conferences, to, to committees, to working with a journal, and just try to, try, try to soak up all of those opportunities as best as you can. I, I think that's great. I think the, the advice about relationships, I think you could ask that question about anybody in any field, uh, any successful person, and you know, they'll tell you that relationships are absolutely critical. Um, pretty much nothing that we do at this point is is done alone, right? So um, I think with that, um, we'll, we'll thank Alicia uh, for participating in this, uh, this episode of uh, Going Coastal. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this month's podcast. And again, if, if, you, if you think your university could benefit from an ASBPA student chapter and want to know a little bit more information, uh, perhaps uh, take a look at the bylaws that the Stevens student chapter developed, uh, be more than happy to, uh, I would personally would be more than happy to share that with you. Um, but you can also reach out um, to ASBPA uh, directly uh, to find out more about student chapters at ASBPA.org. Um, again, or you could reach out to myself or one of our other co-hosts uh, via our LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter um, contact info, which is going to be in the episode description. Uh, and once again, thank you, Alicia. Thank you so much for being here, Alicia. Thank you for having me. And I would like to say, too, that um, folks are welcome to reach out to me as well. So I know I threw John under the bus, but I mean, if folks ever have any questions about establishing a student chapter or anything related to professional careers, um, they're more than welcome to reach out to me as well. Mm -hmm.